The revolution is upon us. The future of physical music is in our hands. Join the fight. This is the Wax Cast. I think we're live. We are live. All right. Hello, Vital Community. How we doing? Well, they can't answer you. So, well, yeah, you can right there at the bottom. You can comment. Oh, that's right. They can comment. Yeah. So, welcome to the Wax Cast. Yeah. Uh, we are back. Uh, sorry about last week. We had some things come up. Things came up, and uh, yeah, it just uh, you Did, know, one one thing ran over the other, and uh, yeah, it, it just wasn't in the cards yeah. uh, yesterday so, or last week. So we've got a pretty special one this week. We are excited, but uh, before we get to that, what? This is the Waxcast, where we uh, presented by GetItOnVinyl.com, where we uh, talk about anything uh, prevalent to the vinyl community and uh, affecting either the format or independent record stores. And uh, we uh, have a very cool um, guest tonight. Um, we have Larry Jaffe from the Making Vinyl Conference, which is coming up in October. And uh, so he's a couple hours ahead of us, so we don't want to keep him up any later than we have to. So we're going to bring him right in. Uh, Larry, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, great to be here. All right. Well, uh, let's just jump into it. Um, the, 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 the second Making Vinyl Conference is coming up. Uh, but before we talk about this year, uh, tell us a little bit about um, the, the origins of, of how the uh, Making Vinyl Conference came to be. Sure. I've been wanting to do this since 2012, actually. And it might have been too much too soon. Um, my journey with this format, you know, goes back to when I was a teenager in the 70s. Um, but as far as the business world, um, in 1998, I started editing a CD magazine. Um CD production, DVD production magazine, um, at which time I still maintain a, a record collection of probably about 4,000 LPs. Um, probably bought more CDs over the next, you know, six, seven years than vinyl. I mean, I would go to record shows once in a while, but I wouldn't buy very much. Um, so I think I was somewhat brainwashed uh, by CDs. Um, it's funny now I could barely listen to one, <laughs> um, but, but, but let me, so anyway, make a long story short, that magazine closed in 2006. Um, and they let me go actually about six months before that, um, because the whole market was, was going downhill. Um, at the time I had a girlfriend who brainwashed me into, um, digitizing my CD collection. So I found myself getting rid of like 3,500 records, maybe more than that, actually. Um, you know, probably 3,000 CDs, 2,000 DVDs. I mean, I was just getting rid of stuff, right? Oof. Within two years, the only stuff I really missed were the records. I realized what a stupid mistake I made. And I've been spending the last five years recreating my own collection. <laughs> so... So, but getting back to the CD magazine, that was around the time I first met Brian Eckes, who um, he and I are the co-founders of Making Vinyl. Um, so Brian and I have been working together for over a decade fairly closely. He was um, involved in a trade association called MediaTek, uh, and I would do their newsletter and marketing communications type stuff. Um, and then he moved on to uh, a, another group called Colonial Purchasing Cooperative. 
which is basically a buying group for raw materials of the remaining CD manufacturers. And there, there aren't a lot of them. Um, but among them is Rainbow Records in, um, in um, Santa Monica in, in California. Um, and they've been, I think they are the oldest uh, record pressing plant in, in the U.S. Um, so Steve Sheldon, the owner of the plant, um, he liked the idea. I mean, the planet sort of had a line up. So like I said, I, since 2012, I kept on telling Brian, this is real. It's not going away. It's not a fad. It's coming back. And he, of course, realized that the decline of CDs was so evident. You know, it would go down 20% at least every year for the past decade. So, um, you know, it's. It, I mean, it's, it's great that um, I think young people as well as baby boomers like me um, – you know, have have warmed up to it. Definitely. Sure. Um, so the, the started. What prompted you to really just push for the for the first conference to come together last year? Well, it was interesting. A couple of things happened. Um, I became friends with Michael Kurtz from rec one of the co-founders of Record Store Day about three years ago, um, and I was actually approaching it from a journalism perspective. I write for a bunch of different magazines. But two years ago, I did an expose about how the vinyl comeback was being underestimated uh, by the mainstream media. And I, mm -hmm. I really delved into how SoundScan only takes a tiny percent, percentage of the stores yeah. that are actually selling vinyl. So how could they mm -hmm. say authoritatively that this is, you know, the increase by such percent? It just made no sense. Um, sure. And Michael Kurtz actually confirmed at the time that, yeah, 80% of the stores don't uh, – 80% of the stores that uh, participate in Record Store Day do not report into SoundScan. Right, yeah. So the whole thing is a ridiculous guess. Um, you know, um, I've heard since then that SoundScan has increased their sample size. I'm not really sure about that. Um um, they actually, uh, well, we're, we're, we're trying to work with them to see if they'll be involved. This, uh, this time around, we might have uh, the RIAA involved in the conference. Um, the conference will be much different than the last time. And the last time, the whole thing came together very, very quickly. I mean, we didn't, I didn't start work on it until late July last year. Um, wow. And, you know, to get keynotes and 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 find other speakers and uh, do all the research um i i really don't know how i pulled it off tell you the truth <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean i'm looking at what my, i mean most of our program is done you know uh, we're still working on the keynotes uh we have a, a big announcement in two weeks i can't really talk about it today but we all did right. we did confirm somebody today um last time right from the beginning, I said, Jack White has to be the keynote. And, mm. and we got lucky. I mean, he was into it. Uh, Steve Sheldon uh, knew Ben Blackwell uh, because um, Ben uh, toured Rainbow. He toured a lot of the plants around the country to learn how to make records uh, with Jack. I mean, Jack was in on a lot of that trip. And um, there was no doubt that... Um, the planet sort of lined up 
Um, so it's funny when Brian and I, after, after Jack, I mean, after Jack and, uh, and, uh, Ben, uh, did their bit at the conference, uh, Brian and I were taking photos with Jack and I was not that I was tongue tied. I mean, I, I, I always said to Jack was my kids think it's so cool that I've, I'm talking to you. <laughs> so, yeah. so he looks at me. He goes, "How how old are your kids?" I said, "23 and 20." He goes, "Oh, you know, you're too young. You look too young to have kids that age." I was just really a sweet thing to say, you know. But uh, what I really wanted to say was, you know, um, I I've been bugging Brian to do this conference since 2012, but we had to wait for you to open up the plant in February. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I would have loved to get his reaction to that, you know, sure. Uh, sure. You know. but I mean, he was like the perfect guy to, to, um, to really, um, you know, because he practices what he preaches. Sure. Sure. Uh, Looking back on last year's conference, uh, what would you say is the biggest takeaway or memory you have from that conference? I think it's one of the things that Jack White said, um, make something beautiful. It was like he gave everybody marching orders. Like he thinks making a piece of vinyl is beautiful. Now, of course, he puts his own crazy spin on it. Um, although his new record really wasn't anything on you, like so different compared to what the, the two predecessors, his last two uh, solo records in terms of like he really pushed the envelope. What can I get away with? Um, this time sure. he, he's just sort of focused, I guess, on the music, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely, yeah. It definitely was a lot different than the ultra LP from his previous work. That's for sure. Right, right, right. Um, but I mean, we, again, we were just so lucky to get on his schedule because he was, he had just published a book. Um, mm -hmm. So he was on a, kids children's book tour and uh we managed to get him to come back to detroit and then he went off to new york like it's funny he was on my plane going home <laughs> oh, <fine. laughs> and I, said, I said hey guys yeah i couldn't he was with his tour manager it was really funny to see him oh, that's cool. Yeah. See, in my head, he just flies in a plane that's painted yellow and black. So. Yeah, just <laughs> no, no, actually, <laughs> he wasn't in first class. <laughs> he, was, yeah, he was a regular guy. <laughs> right. I was, of course, in the last seat in the plane. I was hoping we had to go to the bathroom because I'd get the bus. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> there you go. Uh, I was one question then. Uh, so we, we got the, the conference coming up. Uh, what is uh, probably the biggest difference between this year's conference compared to last year? It's a great question. I, I, I think what I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do is the tagline of the, of the event is not your father's record industry. And I think um, what I really want to delve into is the business model, how it's changed from like the 70s heyday. And one of the things I've done is successfully brought in, for example, uh, Vinyl Me Please and Got a Groove. You know, really good reissue companies that mm -hmm. are um, putting a lot of time and effort. And what's remarkable to me is that these, limit, the, these limited editions, I mean, there's such small quanti quantities that, I mean, mm -hmm. imagine like in the late 70s, early 80s, if your band sold 5,000 copies, you'd be dropped in a second. 
But sure. now it's like regarded as a success. I, right. I just find that really amazing. And I, we didn't really get into that type of thing last time. Um, last time, what was a revelation was, you know, we, we, we had this hunch that the time was right and that there was enough people interested in it. But we were being cautiously optimistic. And Brian and I were like, well, if we get 100 people to come, that'll be a good thing. You know, and we got almost triple that. And what was even more amazing to us is that they came from 16 different countries. Wow. That's cool. And we just we just hit the tip of the iceberg. We had no idea that so many people were planning on building pressing plants. So by the time that October 1st comes around, there'll probably be about a dozen new plants that were, you know, talking about it, came to the conference. And has since now we're actually going to speak and and talk about how they got up and running. Um, that's so, wow, that's so wild. <laughs> it's wild. And the great thing about it is they're from all over the country, very geographically dispersed in terms of, you know, Texas. We have two of the plants. Um, Virginia, we have one. Uh, we have another one in San Francisco. I mean, they're, they're all over the place. Um, you know, so New Jersey has another one. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it um, that is really gal, it's galvanized. Wait, and one of the great comments I kept on getting from people was that, you know, this was the first time I got to meet so-and-so in person. Like we talked on, on the phone or we traded emails, but, you know, no matter what part of the industry you were in, um, it gave you an opportunity to, expand your you know potential um business universe yeah we'll have the face-to-face interaction and have that handshake and you know got a face with the voice and all that now i mean that's wild i mean kind of to your point though with the uh those sound scan numbers you bringing up the point with the, all of those plants opening up like those sound scan numbers don't match up to what's happening as far as those plants opening up yeah i mean well, steve yeah. sheldon was saying you know, their numbers are ridiculous. He goes, I pressed 9 million records myself. So how yeah, yeah. say I only sold, you know, 6 million. The other thing that's the other thing, getting back to how it's not a, your father's record industry. Um, one of the things that really made sure that the CD stuck was that the retailers were able to give back what didn't sell, like the returns. They don't do that anymore, which right. means that the retail stores are much more careful. And, you know, Michael Kurtz told me that they had like, I think, 80 to 90 percent sell through on uh, this last record store day. You wow. Know, of, like everyone, you know, is pretty much buying what they think they're going to be able to get rid of. Um, mm-hmm. And anecdotally, I see that in New York at all the stores that participate. You know, like they still have like one little box or two boxes, but that's right. it. Yeah. yeah, sure. Well, I think we're seeing that across a lot of different stores. We we, we travel the country visiting stores, mm-hmm. and we're seeing stores becoming so much more curated to their markets. I mean, the oh yeah, more and more. Sure, you still got your giant stores that have something for everybody, but we're seeing stores that are so catered to their community. Yeah, they they. I mean, they they're getting to a point now where they've been so established and and rooted in their community. They know their demographic. They know what they want. Absolutely, um, it's just. 
And they know what they want now. It's very cool. <laughs> yeah, and, and just one last thing about the sound scan numbers. I, I read a, an interesting thing was that so many records are pressed even without a barcode these days, which makes it almost impossible to track on sound scan. Exactly. Bands that go on the road, they're not reporting in. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I I think the I agree with you. I and obviously we we've written similar articles. I mm-hmm. think the numbers are not only flawed; they're disastrously flawed. Oh, yeah. So yeah, is that's right. You know, the media is just not like asking the questions. And you know, also around the time to- around this time last year, the Wall Street Journal came out with this ridiculous story saying the headline was "The Vinyl Boom Was Over." And I would live it because we were about to go public with our conference. <laughs> still confidence in this booming market. And then you know, so I, I, I took the task, the reporter, and I said, this is what I found, actually. Yeah. You know, I said, I said to my article, I, I, I said, you should really come, you know, and get it, you know, and find out about the real industry, what's happening. And at that, at that point, I was almost bluffing because I really didn't know that it was going to like <laughs> galvanize the way it did. Um, but uh, I turned out to be, I, I was proven right. And, you know, I doubt he's still going to, I don't, I don't think he'll come this time. You know. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, we learned a long time ago, we've been writing about the industry ourselves for about six years yeah, now. And yeah. I come to the conclusion that uh, those with some of the widest audience have absolutely, unless you're a collector or you're plugged in, in the industry, you have zero idea of how big this comeback really is yeah it's, it's the vital mainstay as far as we're concerned yeah. at this well, point. I guess it goes back to the economics i mean we hear that the dollar amount of, of of records now equal the dollar amount of cds which shows that cds became a commodity long ago from a manufacturing perspective um and also if this is true, um, I, I, I've been, I've been, I watch, I, re, I listened to a couple of your uh, wax casts, and I, I think you're on the right, you know, I think you're on the right track when you say that, um, you know, packaging, for example, is really key to keeping the market growing. Um, it's absolutely right because it's what distinguishes it from, you know, CDs or well. To be fair, I mean, there's still some really well-packaged CDs. And in fact, uh, one of the things we're doing differently with the awards this time around is uh, we we have two categories devoted to CDs. Um, Mm -hmm. um, You know, and the box sets usually are kind of interesting in terms of that. Um, But, um, and on the packaging, we also, um, you know, for example, we have a category says that they, they said it couldn't be done. And really, is going to get into like the structural design of things, the way things fold out, and um, um, the materials that we use. We also have one about the environment, save the earth. You know what what's what was special about it. Um, so the uh, we we just put out a call for entries uh, last week. Um, so any label people listening, you know, look at makingvinyl.com, and you'll see uh, the submissions uh, button. To, to, to participate in the uh, making vinyl packaging awards, uh, we right. ha- and also I mean we've we're doing that a little differently too this time. We have okay. a panel of twenty four uh, judges. These are award winning art directors around the country, 
and in Europe, in fact, um, who are going to be um, reviewing electronic images of, of the packages submitted. And from that, we are going to um, choose the finalists. And then the actual finalists will be sending in their actual packages, uh, which okay. is different how we did it last year. I did the whole thing manually. Right? Yeah. I had yeah. all the records, and we had 124 entries be delivered to my post my poor post office box <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's still great <laughs> that, though that, I mean, that's that's exciting every that's day a for good you. Time to <laughs> have, <laughs> Larry. yeah every day was sort of like uh you know christmas i guess but yeah right <laughs> but um um so yeah i'm mean, that was my the hard part for me because i got to start generating you know the the fourth of july holiday sort of interrupted any kind of momentum you know, but, but everyone waits for the last couple of weeks to get in their stuff. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. so now we have like a longer lead time. So I have like five weeks now to worry about in terms of getting the stuff in. Sure. Uh, one question we think would be good to ask um, if, if someone's watching this uh, or, or listening to this podcast, who should attend the making vinyl conference? What, if what, how, what's, how can they get a hold of, or no, how, yeah. how can they get into it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think anyone who's involved in the vinyl value chain to some extent, um, and in fact, we have um, a, a session devoted to enthusiasts. Um, oh. Yeah, so um, you, pr you guys probably know. Um, well, that, that, that actually idea for a session was uh, suggested to us by uh, Jeffrey Smith from Discogs. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he, you know, he suggested a couple of people, and um, um, so the, you know, it'll be interesting because I think you guys are, are driving the market. Really, I mean, you're closer to the people buying um, than maybe the manufacturers. Um, Very good. Uh, so, yeah. So anyone involved, uh, it, would it be, would it be better? We, we are partners. One of our missions is to promote independent record stores. Would mm -hmm. this be uh, a beneficial conference for, for store owners? Well, absolutely. That's why we partnered with record store day right from the start. So we, we had some retailers there last year. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, I guess for, for a general question, what excites you about the future of the vinyl format? Um, just that I think young people are into it. I mean, it's like the same percentage of people my age and my daughter's age. Like she has friends that buy, and my son has friends that are into vinyl. You know, whereas I have friends who like, isn't that gone? Why, why would you do that? And I also actually sub at a, a record store what, that my friend owns, like when he goes on vacation and stuff like that. And it was like, I always wanted to work in a record store when I was a kid. I never got the opportunity until, you know, a couple of years ago. <laughs> so, and I don't even like do it for money. I do it for records. <laughs> do it for fun. Absolutely. Very good. Well, how is, uh, how's the rebuilding of your vinyl collection coming? Are you, are you getting the things back that you let go of at one point? Yeah, I pretty much, it's interesting. I, I was reading one of your articles um, on, on the site. And um, it talked about how, like, when you start a collection, you usually go to thrift stores or you inherit. So I, for the first year, I didn't buy anything new. I just bought mm -hmm. 
as much $3 records that replaced the stuff that I had. Then I was thinking, well, I could go a little deeper. And I'll go into like all the great one-hit wonder bands of the late 60s, mid-60s, late 60s, early 70s that I remember as a kid, um, but I never heard the whole album. You know? <laughs> so um, like Mungo Jerry. Hot time, you know, hot time in the summer, or whatever that song was called. Like, uh, you know, I I have at least a dozen records like that, more probably more than that, uh, of those types of bands. Um, uh, so, um, like Vehicle, Ides of March was like, like another one. Um, it's a whole other journey. That this is a completely different journey that you're going on. Then, yeah, yeah, and so 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 at that point. You know, it's funny. I bought, um, I saw it was a record store day release that I missed when it first came out, but uh, it was a year or two ago of um, Shocking Blue, Venus. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that whole, that entire album is great, actually. I mean, it, it was a Dutch band, and I really, I liked the whole sound of it. Um, you know, sometimes you buy something, you get burned, you know, it's like, not, not that good. <laughs> No, I mean, give you give you an idea. Um, I liked um, the the '80s band Scandal, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Patty Smythe. So I saw there was a live album. So my friend was doing his orders, and he was telling me what's coming out. So I said, "Yeah, get me that live album." What a crappy concert! I can't believe I paid forty bucks for it. Something ridiculous, <laughs> and, and the, the cover was awful. I mean, everything about it was just bad. I mean, even the concert was kind of listless. Yeah, she did a couple of the hits, but that was... <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Great. Um, what, last year with the conference was in Detroit, uh, and it's back here again for, for 2018, uh, back in Detroit. Uh, is that going to be home base for the conference going forward, or is there a well, reason you're back in Detroit? We're, we're moving it somewhere else next year, and we're, we're probably likely going to move. We're probably going to do two of them next year. One in, one in Europe as well. Uh, we're near finalizing the, uh, the the places for both, uh, but they're both cool places. All right. Is that why you got that London pillow behind you there? <laughs> yeah. No, actually. I um, Well, I, I shouldn't say no. It, it, okay, London, okay, okay. Definitely on consideration. So nothing's been finalized. Okay, but, okay. But, I, I'm not going to pry anything out of no, you, but <laughs> – Fair enough. Uh, well, to to wrap it, uh, for those who are interested uh, in attending Making Vinyl, uh, when is it, and how can they do it? How can they get involved? Sure. Well, it's October first and second, um, and it's like a day and a half conference program. So the 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 afternoon of the second day is actually uh, what we're calling the Motown uh, record crawl, music Motown music crawl. Um, so we're going to, uh, hire some buses and they'll take you to third man records. If you didn't see a, a, a tour of the pressing plant last year, you'll get to do that this time. They have a great store there too, but they only sell third man product. Though. It's interesting, but that didn't, stop oh, really? me from, that didn't stop me from spending over $200. Though. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. You're still going to spend money. <laughs> so, All right. And then, and then, uh, we'll go to like two more record stores and then we'll also go to the Motown museum as well. Cool. And, and there'll probably be some live music that we're still uh, finalizing. 
Very good. Well, we are we are looking forward to it. So, uh, well, Larry, yeah. thanks so much for joining us on the on the Waxcast. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, we can't thank you enough for taking the time. Absolutely, really appreciate you stopping by. Hey, no problem. Yeah, so it's makingvinyl.com. That's where. Yeah. You- All right. That's, That's right, makingvinyl.com. So make sure to check that out and and make sure to get some tickets. Get on the list. We're going to be there. Absolutely. We're going to be there. Everybody's going to be there. Everybody's going to be there. So you we might as well wait. be there too, right? That is going to be the highlight of our year. We're yeah. going to see you at Making Vinyl uh, 2018. So uh, make plans to get to Detroit and we will see you there. So. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for, for this week's WaxCast. That's going to do it. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, once again, thanks for j- much for joining us. If you're watching on Facebook, awesome. But you can subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher and all that or just watch it here on GetItOnVinyl.com, that, that great address that's yeah. scrolling across the yeah. bottom there. So I tried to use my mouse to show you, but <laughs> it didn't work. So you can just catch up on the archives there. So <sighs> awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Take care.